Kia ora, and welcome to the five minute recap for our latest episode of The Road Unknown, where I try and recount what happened in the episode in five minutes. So, I've got a little timer here. Okay, so it's set for five minutes. Let's see if I can do it. And timer, go. So, the party started on board their ship, sailing upriver further on towards Sambar. As they rounded a corner, they noticed a large uh, waterfall cresting off one of the cliffs that was nearby. And at the base of the cliffs, they noticed a strange, uh, strange shape or strange shapes. Getting closer, they saw three humans looking over what seemed to be the battered and bruised corpse of a large bear. They headed the, they um, uh, anchored the ship closer. Uh, Lore dove into the water to swim a bit closer. As she did, looking around, she noticed a large shape at the bottom of the riverbed with, uh, and the glint of light in a set of eyes. Um, eventually, the party clambered over the wet rocks. Balthazar fell in the water at some point. Shasta uh, scuffed herself getting towards the hunters. But eventually, the party arrived, and the hunters explained that what they were looking at was indeed the corpse of a bear, but the corpse of a bear that appeared to have died from falling from the top of the cliffs where the waterfall was. They remarked that the bears were very uncommon in this area, and for this bear to be here, it must have been driven, driven here by something. So it was either running from something or chasing something and ended up uh, falling from the cliffs to its demise. Lore and a number of the, the party actually wondered if the shape in the, in the riverbed had something to do with it. And as Lore poked her head back under to try and talk to it, given that her nature as a triton gives her the ability to communicate simple ideas and concepts to creatures that can breathe water, she stuck her head under and could not see the shape, but did eventually see it as it um, attacked her from the side and the giant crocodile um, caught her in its jaws and dragged her under the water. The party freaked out and Gigi removed his cloak and his heavy uh, items to try and wade into the water to help water to help Law. Unbeknownst to him though, Law used um, the magic of her, of her sorceress nature to cast Misty Step and disappeared from the jaws of the crocodile and appeared on the rocks behind Gigi, grabbing him before he ventured into the water and hauling him back. Eventually, the party working with the hunters decided that it was probably best to dispose of the bear somehow, and Shasta and two of the hunters agreed to uh, to prepare the bear and remove its uh, its skin and its meat and, and to salvage as much as they could. Shasta convinced one of the hunters to give her two of the large um, in the large canines from the bear's jaw, and uh, Balthazar managed to score the bear pelt for himself, and they gathered enough meat to uh, last them as rations for a while. And Shasta also took a large slab of meat and hurled it into the river behind the ship to feed the crocodile. Uh, as they bid farewell to the hunters, they sailed on and found uh, an area of the river that was running much faster. It was shallow and more dangerous, and they had to initiate a skills check. There were some successes and some failures, and they managed to navigate their way through, but they did damage the side of the ship and start taking on water. Uh, Law managed to plug the hole using her shape water to freeze a large chunk around it. And eventually, as they reached calmer waters, Shasta crawled into the crawl space beneath the deck and used mending to fix the hole while the rest of the party bailed the water out as best they could. As night fell, they took watch. Balthazar noticed um, a number of the constellations in the sky that he had um, been taught by Dakan on the Wayfarer. As Lore engaged in her watch, she noticed, noticed some shapes in the water and investigating it with her 
uh, familiar, who was a, which was in the form of a quipper. She saw three humanoid-looking women, women walking through the riverbed underwater. As she herself dove into the water and sank to the bottom of the riverbed, the women approached her and she realized they were much taller than normal humans. And traveling in a, in a trio, the one of them knelt down and placed their hand upon uh, Law's head and uh, told her to sleep. They said, sleep, child. And she was met with not only a wave of psychic energy, but also a vision of the woman from the portrait she had seen earlier. But this time the woman had wings sprouting from her back, gossamer kind of reptilian wings. And the woman, Law, tried to engage in conversation, but the woman appeared to be bound and being dragged backwards into the inky depths. And eventually the woman was dragged into the shadows and lost. And Law swam to the top of the water and breached the surface, only to wake up back under the water beneath the boat. As she climbed up and went back onto the deck, she espied Momo, Gigi's shifter um, persona, was on the ship cleaning. And they had a brief moment of conversation before Momo was... Uh, returned to the form of Gigi, who then took his watch. And looking around, he noticed that there were fireflies or lights in the mangroves. And as he took off his gear once again, leapt off the ship, I've run out of five minutes, oh no, he leapt off the ship and headed towards the lights. And as he got closer, they winked out and he heard scuttling within the mangroves. Deciding against it, he turned around and went back to the ship. The whole time he was wondering if it was Mask trying to give him some kind of message. He didn't receive an answer that was neither positive or negative. And as he awoke in the morning and woke up uh, Shasta for her watch, he explained what had happened. Shasta was none too pleased with the idea of him leaving the ship when he's supposed to be keeping watch. But as she uh, sat and awaited the sunrise, eventually the party woke up and sailed on their way further upriver. As they did so, they heard the sounds of combat and conflict in the trees just off, off the bank. And looking in, they saw flashes of multicolored light. As they went to investigate, picking their way through the mangroves and eventually the trees and the shrubbery, they saw an interesting sight. They saw uh, an orc and an elf with swords drawn, attacking each other in a clearing while a bunch of other elves watched on. They very quickly realized what they were seeing was some sort of lesson. The orc was teaching the elf how to uh, fight. And after, after a few moments of seeing not one but two elves training with this orc, uh, both Balthazar and Gigi stood up and applauded. And while there was a moment of very early tension, eventually it dissipated when the orc who introduced himself as Master Umbrecht uh, asked if anyone was here to learn. Balthazar promptly stood up and said he was looking to uh, gain more skill. And so uh, Master Umbrecht handed him a very finely made longsword and engaged in a fight. Balthazar handled himself pretty well, but very quickly noticed that Master Umbrecht was toying him. Rather than cutting him, he was turning the blade on its side and hitting him with the flat, all while barking instruction and order at him of where to place his feet and what his weight was doing. Balthazar also noticed that Master Umbrecht was wielding the weave and was using magic to augment his sword fighting ability. Uh, eventually, Balthazar started learning and picking up things and holding his own, and he cast a searing smite on his final hit, and Master Umbrecht counterspelled it and winked it out. As he did so, Master Umbrecht also stopped the fight and explained that, uh, congratulated Balthazar on his skill and his ability, and explained that he himself was a teacher in the form of something known as blade singing, a, a martial art that was predominantly for wizards as a way to protect themselves a bit more physically. And should anyone wish to learn it, it would take many years of study. 
But in thanks for Balthazar being such a promising student, uh, Master Ombrecht gave him the longsword as a gift and a promise to keep learning and mentioned that he himself was an anomaly and that the elves traditionally tried to keep this to themselves, but he had found a way to learn it and begin teaching it with the blessing of the elven clan that he was part of. Uh, he bid the characters farewell as they journeyed off, continued on their journey to Sambar. They noticed as they boarded the ship and set sail that a number of small creatures disembarked from the side of the ship where they had been holding on. And they saw what, they, what appeared to be some small frog-like creatures with uh, tridents and other small weapons darting off into the water. And as the party rummaged through their belongings, they realized that certain items uh, had been taken from them. And as they recounted all of their goods and belongings and made sure what was missing and what wasn't, and began sailing off, they met, they passed by some fishermen who waved a cherry hello. And by the end of that day, they found themselves arriving at the, uh, the aforementioned oracle at Sambar. They saw the hillside covered in trees with a spire of white stone protruding from the top of it. And that was where we ended that adventure. And that took me longer than five minutes and I really need to get my notes sorted or else there's going to be trouble. But yes, thank you for paying attention and watching. Uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Kia ora.